الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فأن أبي رقية تميم بن أوس الداري رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الدين النصيحة قلنا لمن قال لله ولكتابه ولرسوله ولأئمة المسلمين وعامتهم رواه مسلم الحمد لله we're continuing with these lessons from the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi and previously we understood that these 40 hadith every single one of them is uh, fundamental and practical basis of the teachings of Islam in other words any of these ahadith that you look at you isolate each hadith or you look at each hadith in and of itself it will be discussing a very very important principle or fundamental principle of Islam so the previous hadith subhanallah was a very detailed hadith regarding how we deal with halal and haram how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has boundaries and how the people who stick to the safe route and stick to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded and stay with the, on the clear road as they say and not go into the gray areas that person has preserved his deen has preserved his iman this is such I mean I'm speaking about what we discussed previously so we understand that every hadith mentioned here is a rule of thumb it's a principle to live by it's a practical principle that if we follow that in our life right this will be how do you say a beacon of guidance it will be your uh, you know your your guiding light every single one of these ahadith so the ahadith are many but the beauty of the ahadith of the arba'in of imam al-nawawi is that every single hadith in them is like something by which you should make a your moral compass all of the ahadith are like that but specifically these ahadith they are so profound and as the, the hadith that we're going to be discussing today just the word that is going to be mentioned here they say this word and another word that's mentioned along with it these are two words that is the most comprehensive word in Arabic language that cannot be translated even in Arabic it cannot be you know the, the ma'na of it is so comprehensive and deep that you cannot pinpoint it you need like a paragraph to actually explain what it entails so with that being said today's hadith is narrated by Sayyidina Abu Ruqayya the father of Ruqayya Tamim Ibn Aws Ad-Dari and he was one of the great Sahaba Kiram radiallahu anhum and interestingly that Sayyidina Tamim Ad-Dari radiallahu anhu in the Sahihain does not have any other narration other than this hadith so this hadith is only narrated by Sayyidina Tamim Ad-Dari and a couple of points about Sayyidina Tamim Ad-Dari radiallahu anhu is that he was from amongst those companions that would recite the entire Quran in one rakat in one rakat the other one anybody know from amongst the companions who it was Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan and from amongst the tabi'een it was Sayyidina Abu Hanifa rahimahullah 
Very few people were known to do this. I don't know, this must have been like something amongst them. That, uh, in, in, and it's related that they had the opinion of one rakat of witr. So they would do it in that one rakat of witr. I don't know what, it, what, what that, that, that was about, but perhaps the hadith, Allahu witrun yuhibbul witr. Allahu witrun yuhibbul witr. And in that which was most mahboob, they would final and finish their recitation, complete reading of the Quran in that one rakat. Allahu alam. So Sayyidina Tamim al-Dari was from amongst the abideen and the salihin of the companions. Also, it has been mentioned that in Hayat al-Sahaba, that Sayyidina Tamim Dari radiallahu anhu, he was the first to light a lamp in the Masjid al-Nabawi. And this is probably difficult for us to understand, but the, you know, they would not enlighten every place, like you, know, you have fire, candles, and everything. They would perform their salat in the darkness of the night. And in, one, in some narrations, it mentions that the sahabiyat and the female companions, they would come and pray in the masajid, in the darkness, that they would be covered with their chadars that they could not be recognized because of the darkness of the night in other words it was so dark they could not be recognized because there was no lamps they did not light lamps Sayyidina Tamim al-Dari was the first one for the sake of you can say ease uh, he brought a lantern or a lamp in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you can see how the concern of those people was not even in this direction. Like, I mean, you would imagine Abu Bakr radiallahu would do it, or Umar would do it, or Uthman, or Ali. Yani, their minds didn't even go to that direction. And when you have such illuminated people, and you have such beautiful people that were anwarat themselves, they were nur. In one hadith narrated in Bukhari, it says, Abbad ibn Bishr, Sayyidina Abbad ibn Bishr and one of the other companions. He, then they were going from the house of the Prophet in the night and he said both of them as they were coming out of the house of the Prophet he said you could see that light was emanating from them. He said they were going together there was light and then when they separated there was two lights. Literally they were light. This hadith is narrated in Bukhari about Abbad ibn Bishr and another companion. Anyways this is a second thing about Sayyidina Tamim. Sayyidina Tamim Dari also has a long narration in Sahih al-Bukhari in which it mentions that the Prophet actually made him sit on his mimbar and give a khutbah. He was one of the companions that gave a, a, a lecture in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So you can imagine the Prophet is sitting and listening to his lecture. What lecture? The story of him meeting Dajjal. Sayyidina Tamim Dari said, I was shipwrecked. Long story, as the story goes. It's in the Bukhari. I was shipwrecked and I ended up on an island and I saw this creature and I said, what are you? He said, I am Jassasa. And I said, take me. And on this island, there was a person chained up and it was Dajjal and he asked some questions and he... Uh, saw him and then he's asking all these questions you know uh, about the prophet and about Medina and about the end of times and so on and so forth and what's going on and what it and in other words yani his time was near and in that the prophet sallallahu mentions that 
there was no prophet except that he warned his ummah about Dajjal. But Sayyidina Tamim Dari was a khatib in the presence of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. With that being said, this hadith narrated by him, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, Ad-Deenun Nasiha. Deen is Nasiha. When the Mubtada and the Khabar, both of them have an Alif Lam Ta'arif, right? It gives the meaning of, you can say, it, it gives a meaning of, of Itlaq. It gives a meaning that the Deen in totality is this. Yani, Imadu Deen wa Qiwamuhu an Nasiha. Like it says, Al Hajju Arafa. Right? When the Mubtada is a Ma'rifa and the Khabar is also Ma'rifa, then it gives the meaning that this in totality is this. So in other words, the deen in totality is nasiha. And why I'm not translating nasiha? Because nasiha in and of itself entails something extensive. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani says, وَالنَّصِيحَةُ كَلِمَةٌ جَامِعًا مَعْنَاهَا إِرَادَةُ جُمْلَةِ الْخَيْرِ وَحِيَازَةِ الْخَيْرِ لِلْمَنْصُوحِ لَهُ he says, nasiha is a very comprehensive word, and in, a, in summary, it, it means to wish somebody well, and to wish somebody all goodness. وَحِيَازَةِ الْخَيْرِ لِلْمَنْصُوحِ لَهُ And to will all goodness for the one that you are giving advice, or the one to whom you intend good. وَهِيَ مِنْ وَجِيزِ الْأَسْمَاءِ And this word in and of itself is from the you can say brief words الكلام, and it is from very comprehensive speech of the Prophet and there is no word in the Arabic language in by itself that it encompasses so many meanings as much as this word does. In other words, the word nasiha. Kama qalu fil falah. And similarly, it's been mentioned about the word falah. When we say hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah. The word falah is so comprehensive that it, in, it, it consists of all success, all goodness, all blessing. That's why we say hayya ala salah, hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah. Falah. This word falah. To say just success, it means success? No, it means every good that you can imagine, every triumph, every victory, every success, every goodness, every, everything positive that you can think of, right? This, this consists of the word falah. So nasiha in and of itself, in this hadith, what it refers to is... Any, uh, literally, if you define it, the scholars that have defined it, literally they say that nasiha comes from nasaha, which means to purify something, to clarify something. يُقَالُوا نَصَحْتُ الْعَصَلَ إِذَا صَفَّيْتُهُ نَصَحْتُ الْعَصَلَ إِذَا صَفَّيْتُهُ نَصَحْتُ الْعَصَلَ يعني I purified or I sifted out the honey. In other words, I... I clarified or I purified the honey from the wax 
or from the other impurities that is in it. That's how the word, word is used in Arabic language. Nasahtul Asal. I purified the honey. So the Nasaha in the, the Kalam of the Arabs is generally used for this. So the word Nasiha comes from something that is pure and khalis. And this tells us another, the word for advice also is Nasiha. So Nasiha in and of itself doesn't mean advice. But one of the implications or one of the things that Nasiha entails is advice. So we use it in our Nasihat. Right? In Urdu and in Farsi and in Pashto and what do we say? Nasihat. Nasihat kadam. Nasihat karosko. Right? We use the word Nasihat. Nasihat doesn't mean advice. But one of the objectives of Nasihat, yani well-wishing and pure sincerity for somebody else is to advise that person. Subhanallah. And another thing it teaches us. They say that the word nasaha is also used when you mend something. You know, some like a shirt is ripped. So she say nasahtu thawba, nasahtu thawb. I mended, I sewed the shirt that was ripped. I mended the shirt. That is why the word nasiha and advice comes from the word mending. You mending the condition of somebody. You're sewing back something about that person that is ripped. Maybe, maybe the person's deen is damaged. Maybe the person's iman is damaged. Maybe the person's life is damaged. Maybe the person's akhirah is damaged or their marriage is being damaged. And what do you want to do? You want to mend their condition. Subhanallah. Nasahtu thawb. And the word nasiha, admonishing, comes from this purity, clarifying, sincerity, mending, and this also teaches us that when we do give admonition and we do give advice, how should our advice be? Not in a way we're ripping the person apart again. Some of the way we give advice, today nowadays when we give advice, how do we give advice? We're ripping the person up. Right? Where the person is damaged or the person is hurt or the person is hurting and now when you are giving advice, you should be mending the person's condition. Subhanallah. Look at the Arabic language is so deep. The word nasihat, it's used for advice. But the asal of the word, the root of the word does not mean advice. Is everybody understanding how deep the Arabic language is? In other words, Arabs of the, the, Arabs of the tribal Arabs, where their language was the, the Arab al-Uraba. Yani, they are the asal. Bedouins, where the Prophet, so we know that the Prophet والسلام, when he was born and the Quraysh and the nobles, they would send their children out into the Bedouins and let them be given milk by those Bedouins and so they could learn the language. One time Umar told the Prophet, he said, Ya Rasulullah, how did your language become so eloquent? You're the most eloquent of the eloquent. And then he said, and other than the fact that he said, don't you know that I was raised by Banu Sa'd? Yani, the Prophet ﷺ was Halima Sa'diyya. We know Halima Sa'diyya was the one who gave milk to the Prophet ﷺ. Sa'diyya is the tribe of Banu Sa'd. Banu Sa'd were a people that were the desert dwellers, Bedouins. Who were, their language was the highest pinnacle of eloquence and fasahat and balagat. And you can see now the words that the Prophet ﷺ used, ad-deen an-nasiha. 
Deen is nothing but sincerity to other people. You can't be fake. You can't be in deen and be a fake person. You can't be in deen and not care about other people. You can't be in deen and not well wish, wish well for other human beings. It's not possible. Ad-deenun nasiha. Yani deen mu'zamuhu. Look at what it says. Ad-deen an-nasiha. When alif lam comes in the, in the mubtada, and alif lam comes in the khabar, what does it mean? Yani this is in totality this. You understand? You cannot have fakeness in this religion. You cannot be insincere in this religion. You cannot be two-faced in this religion. You cannot not have concern for others in this religion, whether your neighbors, and now the hadith is coming further. What does it say? That this sincerity, this well-wishing, this ikhlas, this admonition, this purity, this wanting goodness for every human being, this is from... from in, in every, in, at, at, at every level. Ad-deenu nasiha. Qulna liman. From this we understand that the sahaba kiram radiallahu anhum, whom the Arabic was their language, they understood something from the word of the Prophet, that nasiha is well-wishing for other people. It's something that has to do with mu'amala. That's why they said liman. They understood this, that this, in this context, the Prophet ﷺ in this context is speaking of nasiha in relation to mu'amalatun nas or mu'amalatul akhareen. It's not just ikhlas binafsik because one of the meanings of nasiha is ikhlas. But they understood that in this context the Prophet ﷺ is not talking about yani, al-ikhlas, al-lazim, walakin al-muta'addi. It's talking about something that is transitive. Not lazim, which is right, intransitive just for yourself. It's muta'addi. That's why they say liman. This is why the Sahaba radiallahu anhum kana a'qalun nas. They a'qalun nas. Then the Prophet ﷺ to this answered, he said, you have to have nasiha lillah. And that is why now the context of it, we understand that this is a, this is a khas mustalah shara'iyah. It's not now a general word that you're going to go up in the dictionary Right? And you're going to look up the word nasiha when he says lillah, kayfa nansah lillah? Hal yumkin an nu'ti nasiha lillahi ta'ala? Illa yumkin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fawqa thalik. Walahu al-mathalu al-a'la. You understand? So from this, when you understand that this, that this nasiha, when used in context to the zawat, or the ashkhas, or the dawat that is mentioned, it, it, it has a different meaning. It has a different application. You following me? You can't say, oh, nasiha, oh, I'm going to give nasihat, you know, the nasihat that we use for Allah. No, now there's a different meaning here. They said, for who should we have goodwill or sincerity? Now, like, that's why I say you can't, Translated with one word, it's better to say who should we have nasiha for. Number one, you have to have nasiha for Allah. Now we're going to explain what is nasiha for Allah and His book. You have to have nasiha to the book of Allah, and you have, have to have nasiha li rasulihi to the messenger of Allah, and you have nasiha to aimmatil muslimin wa ammatihim. Five things are mentioned here: lillahi, wali kitabihi. وَلِرَسُولِهِ وَلِأَئِمَّةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَعَامَّتِهِمْ 
We understand that nasiha, well-wishing, sincerity, it refers, and we have to have this, and our deen demands this, that we have to have it towards five things. Number one to Allah Azza wa Jal. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani rahimahullah, وَأَمَّا تَفْسِيرُ النَّصِيحَةِ وَأَنْوَاؤُهَا فَقَالَ الْخَطَّابِ وَغَيْرُهُ مِنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ مَنْ الْخَطَّابِ هُوَ أَوَّلُ مَنْ صَنَّفَ شَرْحًا عَلَىٰ أَبِي دَاوُودِ أَوَّلُ مَنْ صَنَّفَ شَرْحًا عَلَىٰ سُنَنِ أَبِي دَاوُودِ كَانَ الْخَطَّابِ أو من أقدم الشروح على أبي داود كان يعني شارحه معالم السنن شيخ والعلامة الحافظ الخطابي قال النصيحة لله معناها منصرف إلى الإيمان When we have sincerity or an obligation to Allah an obligation of being sincere to Allah that's how, we, that's how we will translate nasiha for Allah. An obligation of sincerity. That we must be sincere in our relationship with Allah Azza wa Jal. What does that mean? Al-imanu bihi. To believe in Him. وَنَفْشُ الشَّرِيكِ عَنْهُ And to, 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 uh, to, to uh, uh, negate any partner that he may have. We negate any partners from him. And to not alter any of Allah Azza wa Jal's qualities and attributes. And to uh, establish all the most per per perfect attributes to Allah Azza wa Jal. And to consider Allah Azza wa Jal free from all blemishes and all uh, uh, and negate from him all blemish and all imperfection and to fulfill all of his obligations and to stay away from his prohibitions and to love for the sake of Allah and to hate for the sake of Allah and to attest and be grateful for his bounties and to be sincere and only intend Allah in every good that we do and to call people to all of these things regarding Allah to call people to what we have mentioned regarding Allah and just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has showed mercy upon mankind we should also show mercy upon mankind قال الخطابي وحقيقة هذه الأوصاف راجعة إلى العبد في نصحه نفسه فإن الله تعالى غني عن النصح الناصح فإن الله تعالى غني النصح الناصح so when we're talking about now نصيحت for Allah meaning you make نصيحت of yourself to do this for Allah right and as it says who is نصيحت for for Allah. Yani, you make nasihat of yourself to be sincere in your obligation to Allah regarding these things. Because Allah is above ghaniyun and nushin nasih. Allah is above and independent from the need of anybody advising Him. Wa subhanallah amma yushrikun. Wa amma nasihatu li kitabihi, as for sincerity of obligation. To the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَبِالْإِيمَانِ بِأَنُّهُ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَتَنْزِيلُهُ To believe 
that this kitab is the book of Allah and revealed by him. La yushbihu shay'an min kalam nas and nothing from the speech of people resembled this speech. And none of creation can bring anything in the likes of this Quran. And therefore, honoring this book and reciting this book and being humble in the recitation when you hear this book. And trying your best to recite this Quran in the most beautiful form. And to protect this Quran from the false interpretations of how people interpret it in the wrong manner. Like people say, oh, Salat doesn't mean that you have to pray five times a day. Salat means that you're just a good person in your heart. That type of ignorant ta'wilat that people make, you have to dhab anil Qur'an. Right? That you should preserve the Qur'an. You should defend the Qur'an from these incorrect interpretations of the people who try to alter this. وَالتَّصْدِيقِ بِمَا فِيهِ And you attest to that which is in it. وَالْوُقُوفِ مَا أَحْكَامِهِ And accepting its commandments. وَتَفَهُّمِ عُلُومِهِ وَأَمْثَالِهِ And trying to understand deeply its, its knowledge and its examples and parables. وَالْإِعْتِبَارِ بِمَوَاضِعِهِ And taking into consideration all the different things that Allah has mentioned therein. وَالتَّفَكُّرِ فِي عَجَائِبِهِ And also reflecting upon the amazing uh, examples in this Quran وَالْعَمَلِ بِمُحْكَمِهِ وَالتَّسْلِيمِ لِمُتَشَابِهِهِ And making amal and implementing its very clear explicit verses and believing and submitting to those verses that might be ambiguous right as is mentioned right مِنْهُ آيَاتٌ مُحْكَمَاتٌ وَأُخَرُ مُتَشَابِهَاتٌ فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ زَيْغٌ فَيَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَابَهُ مِنْهُ right وَالْبَحْثِ عَنْ عُمُومِهِ وَخُصُوصِهِ وَنَاسِخِهِ وَمَنْسُوخِهِ وَنَشْرِ عُلُومِهِ وَالدُّعَاءِ إِلَيْهِ And also understanding its general and understanding its specific and that which is abrogated and that which is the abrogator and spreading its knowledge and calling other towards it. وَإِلَى مَا ذَكَرْنَاهُ مِنْ نَصِيحَتِهِ And all of these other things that we mentioned is also from the sincere obligation to the Qur'an. So when we talk about nasiha to Allah and nasiha to the Qur'an, we'll translate it not as admonishing or advising, but our sincere obligation towards. That's how we will translate it. وَأَمَّا النَّصِيحَةُ لِرَسُولِهِ Again, the Prophet doesn't deserve, the Prophet does not get nasiha from us. So we understand that the word nasiha here, it means our sincere obligation towards him. And our giving admonition to ourselves of fulfilling their obligation. فَتَصْدِيقُهُ عَلَى الرِّسَالَةِ To believe and attest to the messengerhood of the Prophet. وَالْإِيمَانُ بِجَمِيعِ مَا جَاءَ بِهِ And to believe in everything that the Prophet came with. وَطَاعَتُهُ فِي أَمْرِهِ وَنَهِيهِ And to obey him in his command and what he has prohibited. وَنُصْرَتُهُ حَيًّا وَمَيِّتًا and to assist the Prophet whether he was alive or after he has passed away. And to have enmity for the one who has enmity for the Messenger. And to have love and dedication to those who are to love him and are dedicated to him. And to magnify the haqq of the Prophet 
and to re- revere the Messenger sallallahu and to bring to life his way and his sunnah and to spread his sunnah and to give da'wah to his way and to negate from him any accusations that are made against him and to ponder over the sunnah of the Prophet and reflect over the teachings of the Prophet and call others to it and to, and to be kind in teaching the sunnah to others. And to magnify the sunnah. And to revere the sunnah and the way of the Prophet. And to be respectful when the dars of the hadith and the words of the Prophet is being mentioned. And we should withhold ourselves of saying anything about the hadith or the sunnah of the Prophet without having knowledge. And to honor the people of hadith. And to honor the people who are connected with the hadith of the Prophet and the sunnah of the Prophet. And to implement his prophetic character in our lives. And to respect and have the proper adab and etiquette with his teachings and his sunnah. And to love his ahli bayt. And to love the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet ﷺ, and to love the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, ومناجبته ومجانبته من ابتدع في سنته, and to avoid those who have innovated in the Sunnah of the Prophet, and they have gone away from the Sunnah of the Prophet. أو تعرض لأحد من أصحابه, or anyone who has disrespected his companions or his family. وأما النصيحة لأئمة المسلمين, as for well wishing. Of the leaders of the Muslims, to assist them in the good that they are doing and to obey them in their command. This is talking about the Muslim leaders. That if you have a Muslim leader, if you have a Muslim ruler, if you're a Muslim uh, person who is above a king, a ruler, a khalifa, what should be done? to assist them in the truth and to obey them in whatever commands they give and to remind them and correct them this shows that there's freedom of speech in Islam there's no such thing that there should be a dictator that you cannot say anything for them this teaches us because the Prophet said you must give nasiha to the Khalifa you must give nasiha to the ruler of the land it doesn't matter who he is nobody is above nasiha no imam is above nasiha. No shaykh is above nasiha. No khalifa is above nasiha. Imam al-Nawawi, who is the author of this book. Do we know who is Imam Nawawi? He would stand in front of the khalifa and he would say to the khalifa, you are doing injustice. You are using the bait al-mal and the, and the wealth of the people incorrectly. Fear Allah Azza wa Jal. He would write letters and he would stand in front of them at the age of 30. At the age of 30, he passed away when he was 40. Imagine, you stand, this, this, when people talk about freedom of speech in Islam or dictators or you don't have any haq to say anything, this hadith teaches us that it is one of the, it's part of our deen that you have a right to guide the a'immatul muslimin. But what does it say? وَتَنْبِيهُهُمْ وَتَذْكِيرُهُمْ بِرِفْقٍ وَلُطْفٍ To remind them, تَنْبِيهُ كَرْدَانٍ 
to remind them and to admonish them with kindness and with respect. And remind them of what they have forgotten, that you have to do this. You have to establish the Sharia. You have to treat the poor people correctly. You have to build the roads and make the masajid. You have to help the poor. You have to look after the widows. You have to remind them of that which they have become unmindful of. And maybe something that they are not aware of the rights of Muslims, you have to remind them that these rights of the Muslims you are not taking care of. And to not go against the rulers of the Muslims with sword. This whole problem that it happened in Syria. There were many, many scholars that said, despite the fact that the king or the president might be a transgressor, or he might be somebody who is a fasiq, don't stand up against the ruler and rebel and take up arms and take up sword against the imam even if he's a transgressor as long as he hasn't left islam why because when you do that what's going to happen it's going to be bloodshed in our country and in our millet what have we seen bloodshed for 40 years part of it is what is just one person getting against the other person and i don't like you because you're from this place and i don't like you from you're that from that place and everybody's standing up against somebody else if that's going to be the case there will be unending bloodshed till the end of time so this was what Sheikh Ramadan al-Buti had mentioned. I know Sheikh Muhammad Yaqubi was completely against it, but Sheikh Ramadan was like, don't stand up because right now you're saying he's doing zulm. Later on you will see that there will be so much bloodshed that this zulm will seem like it's nothing. And that's exactly what happened. Now it's unending. Madness. Because of what? Khuruj al-Sultan. Anyways, that's besides the point. There's a big there's, Politics is very complicated. But my point is, is here, tarkul khuruj alayhim bisayf. One of the haqq that the wulatul umur have, don't stand up and rebel against everybody just because the taxes are high. Just because the taxes are high. We don't have jobs. Okay, rebel against the king. You know, there's somebody died. Okay, rebel against the king. You can't pick up the sword every minute about every problem that happens. And bringing the hearts of the people together to obey the king. And to pray behind them. The Sahaba prayed behind Hajjaj bin Yusuf. Zalim. He prayed and they said he would extend the Jummah so far that the time of Asr would come in. So the Sahaba says that without, so we don't cause fitna. He said, in our place, we would perform Salat al-Zuhr with Ishara. Because we know that his khutbah would go so long that the time of Asr would come in. But the Sahaba would pray Salat behind them. To not create fitna in the ummah behind Hajjaj bin Yusuf, Zalim. He would kill Sahaba and Tabi'een. The first, his inauguration khutbah, Hajjaj bin Yusuf, he said, There's heads that are ripe, and I'm the one that's going to cut it. That's his inauguration. First khutbah as, as, as governor. The heads, are, the heads have got ripe, and I'm the one that's going to harvest them. Anyways, this is the haqq. And you should make dua for the rulers that Allah guides them. I'm almost done. Last one. As for sincerity to the general Muslims. What is sincerity to them? What is nasihat for them? He says, Helping them and guiding them to that which benefits them. فِي آخِرَتِهِمْ وَدُنْيَاهُمْ 
in their akhirah and in their dunya. وَإِعَانَتُهُمْ عَلَيْهَا And assisting them therein. وَسَطْرُ awratihim, Covering their faults. وَسَدُّ خَلَّاتِهِمْ And removing from them their difficulties. وَدَفْعُ الْمَضَارِّ عَنْهُمْ وَجَلْبُ الْمَنَافِعِ لَهُمْ Removing hardships from them and benefiting them. وَأَمْرُهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَنَهِهُمْ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ بِرِفْقٍ وَإِخْلَاصٍ and enjoining them good and forbidding them evil with kindness and sincerity. And showing compassion to them. Respecting their elders. And showing mercy to their youngsters. And advising them with good advice. And not deceiving them and not having jealousy for them. وَأَنْ يُحِبَّ لَهُمْ مَا يُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِهِ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ And you should love for them what you love for yourself in good things. وَيَكْرَهُ لَهُمْ مَا يَكْرَهُ لِنَفْسِهِ مِنَ الْمَكْرُوهِ And you should hate for them what you hate for yourself. وَالذَّبُّ عَنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ وَأَعْرَاضِهِمْ And that you should protect your wealth and you should protect their izzat and honor. وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَحْوَالِهِمْ بِالْقَوْلِ وَالْفِعْلِ And all of these other types of things by your word and by your actions. وَحَثُّهُمْ عَالَ التَّخَلُّقِ بِجَمِيعِ مَا ذَكَرْنَاهُ And encouraging them to do all of these things that have been mentioned. مِنْ أَنْوَاءِ النَّصِيحَةِ And all of these things fall in the category of nasiha. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. Brothers and sisters and all the honorable listeners who hear this, can you imagine... Can you imagine that this hadith, there is nothing left. Everything has been narrated in this hadith and nothing has been left. May Allah give us tawfiq to implement this. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah.